Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the episode of Living Light Outdoors on the mic with you. Kind of mobile. Actually, I'm sitting in a recliner. Quiet in the house today. It's story time. We're going to uh, get into chapter 9 of our book, A White Stone. I hope it's something that uh, you've been following closely with. Remember, we left our, our friends uh, at, the, at the point of a miracle, basically, uh, where Mick had basically said that we've we've basically just witnessed a miracle i think we're all just became part of one of our father's miracles as they had dealt with another rival gang and then this interesting old man so as always we're going to start from our father's heart as my people go about their own version of what my word says i the lord god am used as a license for them to remain in their sin or i am left out completely where in my word does it say that my people are to be political or moral watchdogs? Where in my word does it say that my people are to condemn the sinner? Where in my word does it say that my people are to search out those things that give them comfort? I have called my people to holiness. I have called my people to be set apart from all that resembles the world. I sent my son that the dead may be given life. All do not receive that life. They choose to remain dead. Your flurry of activities, your agenda of issue involvement, your moral judgment and all of its associated activities have not and cannot bring life to those who choose to remain dead. I am not in your outcry against your world. I am only in your outcry for mercy for your hardened heart. Repent and turn now. See your spiritual adultery. See your hardened hearts. See your dead, cold churches and weep for them. I have called you to tell the blind of a way that they might see my Son, Jesus Christ. Why do you insist on doing your own will rather than submitting to me to have your heart changed that they might see Jesus in you? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 6 through 10, or uh, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 through 10 or 10 through 12. Good Lord, I get this right. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can make your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And it's Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 12, the NIV. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, the first part of Verse 4 states, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Mark Dider sat quietly, pensively, swirling a glass of ice water, not noticing anyone else in Mary's cafe. Mark was in silent prayer as he waited for Stephen McDougall to arrive for their early morning meeting. For many weeks, Mark was not at peace. An unsettling, somewhere deep within him, had begun to grow some time ago. At first, he could, he could shake it off. But more recently, it was all that he could think about. Now he had to do something about it, to tell someone, someone who could help him straighten out his thoughts, make some order of his feelings, and give him peace again. Maybe this meeting with Stephen could give him some answers. Stephen always had answers, and it seemed to Mark that he could help. As he waited, Mark began thinking of how much of an impact Stephen exerted on his life recently. In fact, Stephen was instrumental. It seemed in giving Mark direction, even purpose, if you will, something he had been looking for for many years. Mark was so caught up in his thoughts 
that he didn't even notice Stephen until he was standing at the table about to sit down. You were sure lost there in your thoughts, brother, Stephen said as he slid into the booth opposite Mark. If I didn't know you better, I would have thought that you had some real problems, like losing your salvation or something like that, he continued in jest to lighten the formality of the moment. Hi, Stephen, Mark said with a smile. I didn't even see you come in. Guess I must have been pretty involved in my thoughts. Sorry, brother. It's okay, Stephen responded. Let's pray before we get started to invite God here, all right? Both men dropped their eyes and dedicated their conversation to the Lord, asking for wisdom and requesting that the Holy Spirit guide their dialogue. After their prayer ended and coffee had been ordered, Stephen spoke. Well, what's on your mind, my friend? It must be pretty heavy because worry and tension are all over you. Stephen had a way of getting right to the point. His ability to communicate and his natural leadership qualities combined with his great zeal and definite purpose allowed him to prosper greatly in his calling. As president of God's people for the restoration of morality, Stephen was very prominent in the community. His involvement in and commitment to the issues dealing with morality, or immorality as he voiced it, made him a much sought-after figure. Mark felt somewhat honored that Stephen could find the time for this meeting. I guess, Mark said slowly, I guess I'm somewhat confused, he said. About what, Stephen queried, stirring his coffee and adding more cream. I guess about a lot of things, things I haven't thought about for a long time. Like, like, he paused, feeling as if he were about to explode with a word flurry towards Stephen as release of all the thoughts he had been going on in his mind lately. Like we're really doing what God wants us to be doing. Are we really doing what we want, what God wants us to be doing? There, he said it in a nutshell. All his worries, concerns, and sleeplessness could be summed up in that simple question. Mark was somewhat startled himself at how much the question precisely consolidated all of his emotions. Spurred by this, he continued as he recalled the recent barrage of activities, protests, court battles, pickets, rallies, and meetings. Oh, the meetings, abortion strategies, election committees, etc., etc. I mean, are we really doing what our Lord wants us to wants us to do although it almost made him feel sacrilegious it seemed impossible to express the weariness he was feeling without speaking negatively look mark stephen interrupted we are living in perilous times the world has gone mad with its sin all around us there are people demanding the right to do things that will destroy this country if we don't stand up for what we know is right there won't be any freedoms as we know them now if we let them have their way, you and I won't even be able to pray like we just did in public. The Bible says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. We are that standard, you and I. Mark, we must stand for what is right. Mark sat and listened as Stephen continued regarding all that it had accomplished, and as usual, it all made perfect sense. Much was being done for the good of the community. Salt and light were being shown. It seemed, and Mark felt almost ashamed for even taking Stephen's time with his concerns. And we must stand together so the world can see the strength that they are dealing with, Stephen concluded, and paused to sip his coffee. This gave Mark time to ask, but what about Tuesday night? What about it, Stephen responded. Tuesday night, the culmination of months of meetings, rallies, legal threats, and more, much more against Katie's Naughty Toys adult bookshop which threatened to invade Brookville, a suburb just left of, of Smith's Corners on the highway. Tuesday night was the final showdown. 
the community well organized and prepared for battle to stop any threat to their lives as there and was there in full force. The local papers had fueled public interest by stating reports that Katie had hired the best Chicago lawyers to ensure that the, her right to build what she wanted, where she wanted, was not infringed upon. Everyone was prepared. No one was going to budge. It was determined that no matter what decision was made by the local board, the matter was far from over. Each side vowed to carry their cause to the highest court before they would concede. But when Tuesday night came, something strange and unexpected happened. God's people for the restoration of morality had done their homework. The community was there in mass. The value and clarity of purpose were evident in the eyes of everyone and resolve for the mission was very apparent. What surprised everyone, however, was that Katie came to the meeting by herself. No legal counsel, no friends, just Katie. As testimony after testimony of the dangers of what she was trying to introduce into the community rolled on, she sat quietly with her head down. Finally, when it was her turn to speak, Katie startled everyone with withdrawing her petition. She quietly related that all of the noise and turmoil of the recent months had made her very discouraged and angry. She stated how much hate she had for the people who were demanding their way when she didn't even mean to hurt anyone. She didn't understand how one harmless little shop which made people feel better was worth all of the rigmarole, as she put it. For many years, she had scrimped, saved, and worked very hard to open her own shop and was very excited that her dream was about to come true. But when all of the commotion started, it left her hurting and almost dead inside. So she quit. It was a great success, wasn't it, Mark? Stephen said. I think it will be a long time before anyone tries that around here again. But did you see her face while we were all jumping around celebrating the victory? Mark continued. I mean, I thought she was going to be this hard, broad, bigger than life, you know, but she wasn't. She, she was this lonely, rejected, broken little woman that just slid off into the darkness. But we won. We made sure everyone knows that her kind is not welcome in this town. What is her kind, Stephen? Mark asked from his heart. What kind of person does God see her as? And what is our job here on this earth for her kind? What are we called to do with her kind, whether they kill babies or run for office, or rob or steal. What is our job? Look, all I know is, is that we showed her that Jesus doesn't want that kind of store in his community, and she got the point. Stephen reacted somewhat aggressively. If we don't stamp, stand up for what is right, there's no telling what kind of society we'd have coming around here. Why? Mark had said, Mark had seen Stephen like this before, and knew it would no longer be any good to try to reason with him. In his heart, he wondered what Jesus would have done with the Cadies of his time. Maybe he, he would find out. He did know, however, when he could get a word in, that he was going to tell Stephen that he would be less involved in things in the future. He was going to take some time to get quiet and think and pray and maybe find Katie. What an end to a chapter, <laughs> leaving you hanging right in the midst. But as we close this chapter out, Think real seriously about what was just transpired here. I mean, we have a lot of good causes. Uh, we as a society do go stand against those things that are evil. But, but I love what Mark has to say in this. Did we do the right thing? What about Katie? What is her kind? How, how would Jesus have responded to her kind? 
it doesn't matter whether they're abortionists. It doesn't matter where uh, they're running for office or rob or steal. What is our role in, in our societies today, even as corrupt as they are? Our role is to share Jesus. Our role is to seek out that which is lost so that it may be found. I love the questioning. We, we often see the zeal. We often see the, the, the onslaught of, of gathering people up to stand against the evil hordes that are coming against our city. But in the same token, should we not be concerned for someone like Katie's soul? I think that's the question here. And I think that's what we should be asking ourselves. What do we do with the Katie's? What do we do with those who maybe naively, maybe they don't really know. Maybe they don't want our words. Maybe they don't want our help. Maybe they don't want to be rescued from the darkness that they seem to be in. But it's our role to share light with them. It's our role to share truth in love as Jesus would. Jesus hung out with sinners. Jesus uh, hung out with the darkness of this world. Now, not that he participated in their darkness. There's something you really need to pay attention to here. What did Jesus do? Jesus always, he ministered to them. He served them. But he always confronted their sin and left them with a choice. And that's where we should be. It's not ours to just downgrade and call someone evil. Are they evil? Or are they just a person who's lost? Things to think about as we unravel more and more of the mystery of a white stone. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I know this is kind of bonus day. I've already produced a podcast for today that went out live, uh, live on Facebook and, and on the podcast realm of things that God has stirred my heart with early this morning. So this is kind of a bonus. This is step two on the day. Um, I'll be with you again tomorrow morning live on Facebook again with a message coming out. Uh, not real sure where I'm going yet. We're still praying about that and letting God lead us in that direction. So in the meantime, Enjoy the rest of your Saturday, the rest of your weekend. Find yourself in a place of worship tomorrow full of people who are seeking the presence of the Holy Spirit among them. Amen. God bless you. Ron and I love you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your prayers. We'll talk to you again real soon.